Welcome, this is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who's earned the day off today. And joining us as guest co-host is the wonderful, talented Ravana, Rebel HQ contributor, always loved. I feel like it's a fun time. I learn from you, Ravana, I've told you that before. You offer great insight. So let's get right to it, shall we? Yeah, let's jump right in. Okay, we're gonna begin with, well, stunning. Headline, a shocker, really. No one would have predicted this. Racist emails sent by Donald Trump Jr. exposed. Um, how racist? What are we talking about here on a Trump scale? Well, let's just get into it. The emails allegedly including a rash of racist comments and exchange between Donald Trump Jr. and longtime confidant Gentry Beach could come to light as part of a years long legal battle involving. The Trump Scions friend and his former hedge fund employer. The content. Tomorrow night, we're having Jews for dinner, Beach said in one email sent to Trump Jr. from Beach's account between 2005 and 2008. That's kosher, right? In another exchange, after Beach moved to Upper Manhattan, Trump Jr. referred to the area as Harlem. I hear the theme song of the Jeffersons playing in the background, he wrote. Raw story with the details here. The Jeffersons moving on up, right? That's how it went. Trump Jr. identified as a sender when the email exchange was read in court. And in another exchange, he complained about Mexicans coming to the US. Quoting, encourage the Mexicans to come to the US and give them another excuse to not learn English, Trump. Junior wrote, when I have to speak to my grandchildren in Spanish, at least I know I will have you to thank. Hedge fund lawyers said Beach and Trump Jr. were among a group of Penn alumni on the group emails, which also included former Republican National Committee co-chair Tom Hicks Jr. The court record show made an anti-Semitic comment about a Jewish real estate broker who sent pornographic images to one group of the email recipients. This is lovely. Don Jr.'s comments since the leaks came out. Don Trump Jr. on Thursday mocked efforts by liberals to confront racism after his own purportedly racist messages were released as part of a lawsuit involving his friend. Now that's like the easy button of the political left. Like everything's racist, humor is racist, life is racist. You can't have a comment without, that's not racist. Former President Sun said on his triggered podcast. Well, we're triggered, Ravana. And listen, there's a lot of people who are going with this, this theme, this line of, you can't say anything, can't have any fun because people will say you're racist, you're anti-Semitic, you're sexist. Unless you really are, unless you really are. Right, so he's he's saying that you can't say anything without being accused of being a bigot. It's crazy because I say things all the time and I'm not immediately no. met with someone telling me, no. you know, what you said was racist, which you said was anti-Semitic because I'm not saying racist or anti-Semitic things. And I just also wanna to touch on a little bit of irony. He's talking about, oh, I might have to speak to my grandchildren in Spanish, but you're marrying a Puerto Rican woman. So you know, naturally, it might be passed down through the family. They might speak Spanish, and it's so you know. And of course, the racism of it is you know comes from hatred and ignorance. 
And it, but it is so ignorant to, you know, be upset at the idea that you might have a bilingual family, that your your children, or that you know, this country is multicultural. We don't have a national language. We, you know, we're supposed to be the country that takes everybody in. That's the American dream, is it not? So to see these people who have, you know, their own families achieve this American dream now spit in the faces of other people who are looking to achieve that, it's disgusting. He's disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. And the American dream to people like you, people like me, American nightmare for some others. And apparently some of them went to an Ivy League school. And now years later, they're making use of their time by saying these racist, anti-Semitic things. And it's really sad. I think it would be lovely, Rivana, if indeed his grandchildren spoke Spanish. Maybe they could educate him, enlighten him in another language because English does not seem to be working here. We've been trying. I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I mean, it's not shocking to anybody that you know Donald Trump Jr. is saying racist things behind closed doors. He's saying racist things in public, but I think his reaction to it is very telling because to some of these conservatives, the most offensive thing you can call them is racist. They see being accused of being racist as the same thing as experiencing racism, which I think just goes to show how far removed they are from the experience of minority groups in this country. Yeah, and I'll say this, even though I said I'd give you the last word, but <laughs> you know, it just seems like there used to be shame, right? People were racist, but you're right, they couldn't stand to be be called that. I don't want that that scarlet letter. But this punchback, this alternative set of facts that seems to become reality, just like stop the steal. Hey, everybody's just being too sensitive. It's really it's harming everyday people, everyday Americans who have worked hard who want to raise their families without this disgusting hate speech and discrimination. It, it really, I, I really think it's that pathetic because the truth is becoming the lie yet again. Yet again, here we are with this, where this former president's son is not even embarrassed. He's issuing a public statement that is not an apology, but instead it's a get out of here, you're stupid. This is ridiculous. This is weird. No, it's not. It's not. I guess I would ask you one other thing. What do we do with that? Because there is one side of the coin that says we got to call it out. You got to point to it. You got to say enough is enough. But if you're not making inroads and you're not even alarming other people, like you mentioned, the girlfriend, fiance, okay, where is she in this? Okay, how does this this language even escape the household? Yeah, I think it is it is a difficult road because on the one hand now the conservatives they don't feign like you pointed out they don't feign the outrage anymore. They say that this is normal, this is acceptable. This is how, you know, everybody talks this way and the left is pushing back in a ridiculous way accusing us of racism. So on, you know, in my opinion, we're pointing this out not to show the conservatives, their own hypocrisy, they know they're you know, being hypocritical. They don't care that they're being bigots. But I guess it's just to show you know, everyday people that this is what they think of you behind closed doors. This is what they're saying about you and you should know this and you know, maybe stop supporting them. But we heard so much, Rivana, you know, with the indictment and the Tuesday appearance of 45 in court again, indicted again. 
And we heard about the backdrop, South Florida, Cuban community strongly in support, not just Republican, but in support of MAGA. And this, once again, candidate, not not to paint it with a broad brush, but there is a large contingency, a large community that supports. And I just don't understand it, and perhaps you can break it down. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a large conservative base of support in the Cuban community in Florida, usually differentiates between other Latino groups in the United States. Of course, no group is a monolith, but there is a you know a Republican stronghold there. And you you think that maybe seeing the way that they talk about you behind closed doors would would relax that support. And you know, I guess in some some groups it just doesn't. I guess their their beliefs in conservatism are stronger than that. And it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see that. And you hope that people's hearts and minds will change when they see who people actually are when the veil comes down. But you know, I guess that's just what we have to keep fighting for. We keep fighting for it. And you know, I've, I've been enlightened some, I should say, and been told that uh, it's also anti-establishment. And this, this guy, Trump and his offspring have somehow built themselves as anti-establishment and outsiders and yeah, that part. This one is curious, charges dropped for the people who dumped a woman's body here. Um, we'll give you the update. The torch body of Michaela Charleman, 25 years old, found last year in Antioch, California. Prosecutors dropped charges against two men accused in the mutilation of her body. The background on the cause of death. Medical examiner determined that Charmin died of fentanyl overdose, noting that her family had attended all of the court dates in her sister's death, including the preliminary hearing where a judge determined if prosecutors have sufficient evidence to make a defendant stand trial. NBC News with the reporting. Nicole Eason said that during court testimony, Ashton Montalvo, and D'Angelo Boone were accused of dumping her sister's body in a dumpster they grabbed from a nearby building after she overdosed at an abandoned apartment in Antioch, city of roughly 114,000, northeast San Francisco. The men were captured on security cameras, borrowing a dolly from a 7-Eleven, pushing the dumpster four blocks to a paved trail, where witnesses from a nearby homeless encampment saw them allegedly or lighter fluid into the dumpster and set Charman's body on fire, Eason said. Roughly a week later, after her family reported the 25-year-old is missing, Eason said authorities confirmed her death. Now, after Charman's family reported the 25-year-old missing, the victim's mother said authorities confirmed her death. She compared the events to labor pains. I didn't have the joy of getting the baby out, she said. We got death instead. Charmaine's family blasted the DA's decision to drop the charges, calling the move unacceptable, telling NBC News that her family was devastated. After learning the detective who helped solve the case was part of the racist tech scandal that plagued the department. The scandal came out after my sister's death. 
Nicole Eason told NBC News, it shouldn't have had any bearing on the evidence. There's more on the tech scandal in April. A Contra Costa County judge released the names of 17 Antioch, California police officers who stand accused of using racial slurs, making racist jokes, sharing racist memes and text threads over a period of two years. The list of 17 names also included five officers who are already under FBI investigation for alleged crimes. Judge Claire Mayer declared the list of names doesn't deserve protection under the California Evidence Code. This is such a disturbing one and it feels like this family, their loved one who is gone, doesn't matter and wasn't here. It just didn't happen. And I'm no detective, Ravana, but if you, it's so gross. Douse a body with lighter fluid. And we think it was a body, okay? I don't know if this young lady was alive at the time, okay? You destroy evidence that could tell us more potentially here. And that bothers me, but the carelessness and what seems to be, it seems we don't have every detail, but we have enough. It seems to be that this mother, this family, it doesn't feel like they were included, consulted, or that they mattered. Yeah, that's exactly right. And just, I mean, I feel so bad for the family, for the mother. And, you know, I can never even begin to understand the pain that they're going through, um, but just want to offer my sympathies. Uh, it really seems like this is a case where, you know, this the the woman who was, I mean, she either passed away and that her body was desecrated, or you know, potentially she, you know, the autopsy report said that she died of fentanyl. But I mean, how much can you really tell from a body that's been charred? I, I mean, to speak in, you know, to speak plainly, um, it seems like not only is this a black woman, this is a black woman who was, you know, potentially a a drug user, and so she's not getting the respect that she deserves. Her family is not getting the respect that she deserves. And we see this a lot in this country that people who are drug users, particularly people who are drug users and also belong to a minority group are you know, viewed as having a moral failing and they deserve what happens to them because of that moral failing. So then anything that happens to them can be excused. Well, she didn't want this to happen. She shouldn't have been taking drugs. So it seems like they're, they can, they think that the police department or the DA's office thinks they can be dismissive of what happened to her because in their minds, she's not worth going through this investigation. Her family's not worth this going through this investigation. And clearly they believe that they'll get away with dropping it. They'll get away with dropping the case against the people who desecrated her body. And maybe that's because they believe her family's not gonna fight for her, but it, or they think they don't have the resources to legally fight for her, which I think is more likely what's going on in their heads. So, I mean, it's it's horrifying, but I mean, that is that is how so many police departments, prosecutors offices and elected officials really do view uh, drugs in this country and drug addiction. Sadly, you have framed the black woman drug overdose victim and the way she is not thought of beautifully. You've outlined every layer of this thing. And I don't mean to undermine the medical examiner's conclusion, but I will say that having been a journalist, a news anchor, a reporter on the street, an investigative journalist, I understand that 
circle and who's in it. And these agencies work very close together. And I'm not suggesting there's a conspiracy here. I'm just saying that, well, what you said, she's a throwaway. Her family's protest, protestations won't matter to us because it is what it is. And we want this to go away. It's not even worth any more time spent, any more heartache for those who are under scrutiny. It just needs to go away. And that's why I believe it's as if she was not here. And the fact that several of the key witnesses to the crime were unhoused individuals, I think also plays into the the dismissive nature of the police department. They, yeah. you know, these are individuals who police view with very low credibility. They view them again. It's the same moral failing. It's their fault that they're unhoused, and and so they see them as someone who you know can't possibly you know testify as to what they saw, but they saw what they saw, and they know what happened that night, and <laughs> she deserves. You know, she deserves a trial and they deserve to be punished for what they did to her body. Indeed they do. And it's a story we'll keep following, but my shoulders drop a little bit on this one because I don't I don't know that there's gonna be a revisit or a different outcome. There is though a lot of money being Given for this $45 million settlement indeed for a man paralyzed in a police van, watch. Randy Cox was at a block party when New Haven police arrived in response to a weapons complaint. Officers arrested Cox, who they say is an ex-felon and was carrying a firearm illegally. As they were transporting him to jail. Authorities say Officer Oscar Diaz was speeding and came to a sudden stop to avoid an accident. As a result, Cox's head is slammed against the back of the van, which had no seatbelt. I can't hear you. Despite Cox's repeated calls for help, it took the officer almost four minutes to check on him. Can you move at all? I can't move. Before calling an ambulance to meet him at the police station. When the van arrived, several other officers were waiting and began berating Cox to get out. Move your leg. Sit up. Move over. Why are listening, bro? Sit up. I can't move. You're not even trying. About three minutes later, they dragged Cox feet first out of the van. What's going on? Huh? You ain't cracking. You just drank too much before officers forcefully hoisted him into a wheelchair. Cox is processed and dragged into a holding cell about 10 minutes after the van arrived at the station. He was placed on the floor where an officer shackled his legs, but he couldn't move as he was paralyzed from the chest down. Difficult to watch, and when you learn more of the details I'm about to unpack, well, See what you think. $45 million settlement has been reached for the mistreatment. That's an understatement of Richard Randy Cox, the man paralyzed in the back of that police van following a June 2022 arrest in New Haven, Connecticut. According to police, this marks the nation's largest misconduct settlement in history. 
I even hate the word misconduct. It's far beyond. Video footage showed Cox begging for help. The officers accusing him of being drunk, not believing that he was injured. Police put him in that wheelchair you saw, brought him to a cell where they waited for an ambulance. New Haven's mayor, Justin Alicker, said in a statement, the New Haven Police Department has instituted a comprehensive set of reforms, updated its policies and procedures on the transfer of people in custody and required department-wide training on duty to intervene. Officers involved are being held accountable by the police department and in court. 30 million of the total settlement will be covered by New Haven's insurance. The remainder will be paid by the city, according to the news release. CBS News with the reporting here. Carl Jacobson became chief of police in July 2022. The month following that incident, replacing city chief administrative officer Regina Rush Kittle. She was acting chief until Jacobson was sworn in. During that time, he said, Mr. Cox was mistreated. He should have received medical attention immediately. He continued, we can't defend anything that was released. Can you defend what wasn't released? There's even more, I'm sure, here. Five officers involved charged with second degree reckless endangerment, cruelty to persons. They were identified as officers Oscar Diaz, Ronald Presley, Jocelyn Lavender, Luis Rivera, Sergeant Betsy Seguay. Lavender and Rivera were later fired for violating multiple officer conduct rules related to the case. So this is clearly disgusting what we were afforded the opportunity to see after the fact is disgusting. I'm too disgusted with the mayor's statement, and I don't quite know if I can articulate why, Ravana, but it just was so matter of fact, so callous. I don't want to hear about your insurance. It's the taxpayers who are going to pay, whether it's your insurance or not, okay? We're, We're not dumb enough to buy that part of the statement, and I don't know why it's even in there. I really don't. I don't want to hear about reform and training. And it's not about training and it's not about reform. It's about humanity. And when you don't care about the black guy unbelted in the back of the van as you slam on the brakes, okay. I'm waiting to see some some dash cam footage, by the way, Ravana, that shows that you were avoiding an accident, okay? I'm not buying it, and it could be true. But you have trained this journalist, host, capacity today, commentator, not to believe anything you say. This is disgusting, again. Right, and you're right about the statement too. It is, there is a thing in there where it feels like he's trying to say, don't worry, it's not all gonna be on you. It's not all of the people of the city's burden to pay out this settlement. When in reality, that is, it is that, okay? And, and you guys were wrong and you're still not footing the bill for how you messed up. And you know, that's how these settlements are paid out. It's, I don't think it's the right way to do it. But it's the way apparently to get these victims the money, which I think, you know, there's a concept, I've talked about this before, but there's a concept in the law called being made whole. That's what a settlement, that's what, you know, damages are supposed to do. They're supposed to make the person whole. $45 million isn't enough. There's no, (laughs) there's no amount of money that can make this victim whole. The traumatizing that he has, the trauma he's experienced through this, the trauma his family 
has experienced the care that he's going to require for the rest of his life. The tools that he's going to need, the the uh, relearning, you know, how to move, relearning, you know, uh, different ways to do skills differently, things that you know, able-bodied people take for granted every single day. There's no, he'll never walk again. There's no way to make him whole. Forty-five million dollars won't make him whole. Mm-hmm. There's not a dollar amount that will. But I'm glad that he's received this settlement. It should be more, and it never should have happened in the first place. And that's that's the statement that these cities should be saying. This never ever should have happened. It's our fault that it did. Never should have happened. Never should have happened. And I'm sick of the second degree charge. I'm sick of the reckless endangerment, cruelty to persons. They took him for a Freddie Gray rough ride. That's what they did. I believe that's premeditated. It's known throughout policing, even after Freddie Gray. And that's what they did. And I don't want to hear about two of the officers who were fired for misconduct related. What misconduct? Would it be where you pick? I have no formal training, Ravana, as an EMT. But I do know that if I happen upon an accident scene and someone's badly injured and the car's not on fire, what do they tell you? Don't move them, okay? Don't, don't, you, you could paralyze someone. This is just, really? Unless this is called out, like you said, back to the statement where this police chief says, let me tell you how scummy this is. I want details here so I know that you actually do get it. And you're not standing with them and reading something that your communications person put in front of you, okay? Because that's what it felt like. And the time the officer spent berating him instead of getting him proper medical care, you don't know how much function could have been saved while they were, you know, right. picking him up, throwing him around, forcing him to sleep on the ground in the cell. I mean, it's way beyond cruelty. I mean, it's just they don't even see him as a human being, mm-hmm. and they're so quick to accuse him of lying, and that's really telling about how you know police departments view. Uh, citizens, particularly black people in <laughs> that they're supposed to be serving and protecting. They don't even see them as as human beings. That's just something to throw on the floor and it's mortifying. And that statement didn't even come close to addressing the, <laughs> the evil nature of what we witnessed. It's evil. Uh, I have a family member who was transported to get medical treatment three times a week. And they put her on a stretcher with care, a two-man team. They put her in the back of their transport vehicle. And then one of the crew persons drives and the other stays in the back with her to make sure. I asked one time, oh, I didn't realize you stayed in the back. Yeah, we gotta make sure that you know she stays secure back here and makes it safely to her journey. It's just what we're trained to do, no belt. Handcuffed, and there you go. And everybody's asking, like, you need to change policies, and you need to hire human beings. Mm-hmm. Okay, you need to hire human beings. I'll give you the last word. I think that 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 is exactly it. That is dehumanization of the people that police interact with. It is the the abuse of power, and you know, there's no 
training, there's no training that out. If someone's able to behave that cruelly, that's a part of who they are. And they never should have passed the psyche valve that police departments are supposed to give their new hires to become a police officer in the first place. That part, um, couldn't have said it better myself. That's why you're our special guest host today, Ravana Rebel HQ, extraordinary contributor. This is Indisputable, I'm Sharon Reed. In for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who has the day off. Much more Indisputable when we come right back. They are so obnoxious, they have their own segment. And it's that time, okay, that we've all been waiting for. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Let's get a video. Of, take a picture of you too. Dude, we got a my first Karen. Picture of you too. Literally walked into my house. I know I'm walking to your house. It's amazing. I know it is amazing. <laughs> and we're gonna report you. I'm not gonna report this to the to the owner hey, feel because free. this is too much. You guys do this all the time. Feel free. So if you don't want people to come in, don't write entrance. Why do you hate music so much? Floor. Because you guys have been doing this all the time. Hey, you know, you could have just knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, we would have turned it on. Oh, no, 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 we did, we did. You guys didn't hear it. And that was the direction you chose to take this. Thank no, you, have a great night. You What's your name? Which house is yours, Miss Trespasser? <laughs> Maybe I should follow her to her house. <clears throat> see which lady this is. BMW. Ooh! She's got a beamer, we can get the plates. Let's see. Got him. There you have it. This Karen trespasses into a black neighbor's home. A white woman in Lululemon pants, I'm sure of it. And that's why she can do this, right? That's why she's entitled to do this. We'll give you more. It occurred earlier this week in California, okay? That's where she is. The poster of the clip provided more info in the comments. Me and my friends were having a small rooftop concert, he wrote. We notified all our surrounding neighbors, including her, that it would be over by 10. It was not 10. Yet she thought it was acceptable to trespass on our property and walk through our whole house to get to our rooftop and began to threaten us, okay? This is what the person who posted this, Deshwanden, had to say. Also noting that the woman threatened to call the police on him and his friend. She was extremely hostile, he continued, threatening to call the police, etc. And a black star with the details here. Let's give you another shot of this, this Karen, okay? She looks the part, she is here to do some damage. And issue threats. I just, I mentioned Lululemon. I don't know why, because they're not part of this, Ravana. But I just have in my mind, I know this, Karen, and so do you. And she has others, they've multiplied, they're everywhere, not just California. To think that they can, I don't know if California is a stand your ground state, but I don't know that Karen would care because nothing's gonna happen to her. Can you fill this out? 
I mean, she broke the law. She <laughs> trespassed into their house. Okay. And I think and it, it you don't have to intend to trespass. You just have to know what you're what you're doing to for it to be trespass. But she even goes further and she says, I know I'm trespassing. I know <laughs> I walked right up in your house as if she has the right to do it. And I'm sure she wouldn't treat a white neighbor like this. But I'll also say the fact that she had to get in her car and drive to wherever she lives, she's not right next door. Mm-hmm. She's not the house immediately uh. next door. She's just somewhere within the neighborhood. So I can't imagine it was that loud for her. But I mean, they the 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 people who were trespassed against, you know, went out of their way. They informed the neighborhood we're gonna be doing this. And why can't they have a little fun on their property? With proper notice to everyone in the neighborhood. Within, you know, most cities have ordinances about how much noise you can make before a certain time. And most of those those ordinances say 10 or 11 is the cutoff, um, depending on if it's a weekday or a weekend. So they were violating any law. She wouldn't have the right to call the police. If she called the police, you know, theoretically the only person that they should be able to arrest is her. But you know, if she did call them, that's not how it would play out because she's the victimized white woman. Uh, and those are her scary black neighbors who were playing music. Uh, I am smiling because this is why we love you. I want you to have your own show, but I don't know that you will have time having just graduated law school. And what I heard and what you just delivered was an opening statement, okay? Cross examination, right? You drove away and you're, I heard it, and your BMW, so how close were you really? Was this really bothering you? And then I heard the best. Closing argument, okay, you're right, she broke the law. And I think there should be a penalty. And I also, Ravana, give kudos to this black neighbor who <laughs> kept his cool and just simply followed her to distance. Because next mm-hmm. it'll be he's stalking her and he was running after her with God knows what. His blackness is just the weapon enough. But I think there needs to be a penalty for these Karens. Now you're coming in the crib? Really? Right. I will say quickly, I had a Karen roommate once, worst person I ever lived with. And it was 7 p.m. on a Friday and our upstairs neighbors were playing music loudly. But it was 7 p.m. on a weekend. And she left a note, I didn't know she did this, left a note (laughs) on their door saying, please, keep it down in the future. And they came down one day and I opened the door and they said, did you leave this? And I was like, "Oh my God, I swear it wasn't <laughs> me. And he was like, well, we'll tell your neighbor that she can't come to our next party, but wow. you are invited. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and just to be clear, and I don't know if you're coming to us from home today, but you know, please tell me, you no, no longer reside. Thank, thank because God. it's dangerous by, it's guilt by association and you know, had it, Gone another way, who knows? Wow, okay. We have to bring you this tidbit. I'm a fan, I believe Ravana's a fan as well. But we have to unpack this because there's all kinds of rumors and reports out there. The idol in jeopardy, reports of the weekend's antics. Hmm. Well, the fate of HBO's new show. The Idol is unknown. Backlash over outrageous sex scenes and criticism over co-creator and star Abel the Weekend. Test phase, you'll correct me, Ravon, if I didn't get it right. Ego, maniacal behavior on set. 
with ratings that fell by 12% or more than 100,000 viewers from its June 11th premiere. Critics are calling it comically bad. The weekend's a talented guy, but maybe this isn't his thing. A source told Page Six, quote, this was never meant to be a long running show. It was always a limited series. Source added that HBO was not shocked by reaction to the graphic show, which airs on its max streaming service. It's a Sam Levinson show. And you know what we're getting with a Sam Levinson show, said the source of the show's co-creator and director who also oversees the network's shocking series Euphoria. HBO's tweet in response to the report in page six. Being misreported that a decision on a second season of The Idol has been determined, it has not. We look forward to sharing the next episode with you Sunday night. Translation, give it to about Tuesday where they will make a determination about the fate of this series, okay? I assure you, okay? I can read you the statement again, but do I really need to? There was enough wiggle room in there. Last report, the premiere episode had surpassed 3.6 million viewers in its first week on the service, which HBO says outpaces the series premieres for both White Lotus, 3 million, that was in 2021, and Euphoria, 3.3 million in 2019. Same time period. Viewership dipped slightly for the second episode to 800,000 from 913,000 total viewers in the premiere. A significant dip. Idol chronicles the complicated relationship between a Britney Spears style pop star named Jocelyn, played by Lily Rose Depp, and a cult leader played by The Weeknd. 24-year-old co-star Depp has admitted there were times she would steer clear of the star boy singer when he was in his zone. Hmm, her father's Johnny Depp, right? Okay, Lily Rose, talented. Now the show source telling page six that working with him was not an ideal experience, adding that it's not one they're eager to repeat. According to an industry insider, The Idol was meant to be a huge show for Max as it's the first major series on the freshly named streamer. Was a big, big show for them with big talent and a lot of buzz, the insider added. But from what I heard, HBO knew it was a bit of a turkey as soon as they saw it. HBO source said, the only person who makes a decision about a second season is the head of HBO, Casey Bloys, and he is optimistic. Well, number one, Ravana, if I'm Casey, boys, I don't need you putting me out there on blast, okay? We all know it's gonna be canceled, and we all knew it was a turkey. I've not seen it, so I do feel like you should fill it out for us. Is it that bad? Was the weekend that bad? And then we can get into the allegations about the conduct. But I will say this, Lily Rose Depp, who you're not your father, I'm not suggesting. Johnny Depp was out there, right? Did the whole trial and the things that, okay, just saying, okay? You were kind of excommunicated from Hollywood, which is okay with me. Doesn't mean everything that was alleged is true, but is she, okay, I'll stop, Ravana.
Um, I'll say that I think a lot of people are watching the show because it's it is so bad. Oh, it's wow. it is I comically bad as it was described, I think is accurate. I think it's an interesting idea for a show. The premise is interesting. You know, she's supposed to be similar to Britney Spears, and I think that it's really worth exploring the way that young women in Hollywood have been exploited. They've been hypersexualized and the the mental damage that that has done to them. And we see that continue, we see them being put in conservatorships and specifically the harm that that has done towards women as well as exploring the the ease with which celebrities get lured into cults, I think is also really interesting. Uh, executed oh. not very well, I love The weekend. I'm a huge fan, um, yeah. not an actor. Some, some, wow. some musicians are and some artists, they're just artists. And you don't need to also be actors, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you're right. I, somebody else comes to mind, but I don't need, you know, they're around me. Okay, <laughs> I don't need that smoke. So, I, matter of fact, me cut that out, that little <laughs> part, because I don't need that. And they don't ever stop. They for the rest of your life, they'll be after you. But I do think that. There's this push when you're really talented and really popular in Hollywood that, oh, well, you can do anything. Let's cross you over here. Let's do this. Let's do that. Okay. Next thing you know, the weekend's tapped to do you know, a magic show in Vegas. Maybe he's just good at music, Ravana. And I suspect that what's being alleged behind the scenes, his co star too, got worse when he was in the moment and realized. Oh, because you know whether you got it or not. He knows when he's on stage and they're giving it back to him and all. He's on fire. And he knows when he's in the middle of a scene that I really, who put me here and they're all fired, okay? What say you about this push that when you're really great at one thing, you have to suddenly, by your handlers, I suspect, or maybe in your own head, be pushed into something else? Yeah, I think that a lot of celebrities are sort of set up for failure in that way. Or like you have a lot of, Every Disney Channel star had to also be a singer, and God forbid that they weren't. They didn't have the talent to do it, and then you know you're put in that position where it's going to be it's harmful to your you know uh, opinion of yourself. I mean, I I think that the staff on the set should be treated with respect by everyone. I don't care how big of a name you are. I don't care how big of a talent you are. You need to be treating everybody Amen. with respect. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he's realizing in real time, you know, because part of he was a big part of you know creating the show and bringing the show, you know, to to reality. So you know, watching it sort of fall apart while you're doing it could definitely undermine his self confidence and lead him to be, uh, you know, egotistical on set. But it's probably laid the groundwork for him not to be able to step into the acting in the future. And he probably, you know, I've been told I've done a little acting. I, maybe I'm, maybe my stuff is comic too, come to think of it. I don't know. Or maybe I'm a slightly cut above him. I don't know. But I will say this, what I hear from really good actors time and time again is you have to just be vulnerable, leave it out there. And when you're the kind of some somewhat mythical, you know, mystical, whatever the word is. The weekend, there's this mystery, there's this coolness, there's this I control everything when he's doing his music and performing. And when he's not in control, perhaps, of all the material here. And you don't get instant 
gratification. You know, there's no live audience perhaps telling you how great you are. There's no, you know, Hadid sister on your arm. Okay, there's no supermodel there. There's just you gotta you gotta do the material and be great. They're giving me this because I'm rambling. That's why. Let's talk about the NBA. Denver's the champs, right? They they won it all, I believe. It was a great story, the dynamic duo. But then there are other stories, teams that didn't win, and this guy, okay? Zion Williamson, off-season drama. Well, it's spurring trade rumors. What drama? Don't act like you haven't been on TMZ and some other sites. But I'll tell you, Zion Williamson's time in New Orleans could be cut short. Mid the fallout from the drama in his personal life. Teams around the NBA are keeping a close eye on whether the Pelicans would make Williamson available ahead of the 2023 NBA draft next week in an attempt to move up from the number 14 spot. That according to ESPN's Brian Windhorse. So what exactly is it that's so bad he's gotta get out of New Orleans? Mardi Gras home. Don't Film star Mariah Mills alleged Williamson had sexual relations with her a week before announcing he's expecting a baby with his apparent girlfriend, Akima, social media influencer. Apparently, she's got, must have a lot of followers, just one name, just one name. Well, Ravana. But I mean, there's so many layers to you. There could be layers to her. I'll give you the rest. According to Mills, Williamson and Akima only met in February. But Mills and Williamson had been involved with each other for three years. She said he originally contacted her because she was his fantasy girl and offered to take care of her and give her gifts. Mills stated that she signed an NDA, non-disclosure agreement for Williamson, which is common practice for NBA players with romantic partners on the road, but did so with a fake name, isn't that clever? She claimed that their relationship started off as a sneaky link, but we fell in love. I want to pause for a minute, Ray, because legally she signs the NDA. She's now admitted publicly she signed it, but she signed it with a fake name. Is it enforceable? Um, I most likely not. I mean, there's probably a verbal contract there that they agreed upon. And I mean, in that case, you could maybe. Maybe argue that in court, but at this point, is he really? It's out there. Mm. It's already out there. So now you're just going to drag this woman through the court system while you're. It's not going to be a good PR look for him to do not it. Smart. Okay. Oh, I like that. If only he took good advice. He seems like somebody probably doesn't take good advice. Mills also claims that Zion used a trap phone to record 100 plus videos of them having sex. That she learned he had shown these videos to other women in his life. And one screenshot, Zion asks if he can record their time together and inquires about the cost of bringing her to Portland for two days. As Mills tells that Zion was jealous, protective of her during the relationship. In fact, she claims that he spied on her and tried to set her up to see if she would cheat on him. Here's the response from the baller. Zion Williamson has not addressed Mariah M's allegations during a charitable Fundraising event for the Summer Bridge program, Anderson Lee, Zion's stepfather, was asked about the situation. He told the public to believe nothing of what you hear about 
his stepson, Jamoran. Another NBA star who's been plagued with off-court troubles has been suspended 25 games without pay after he was seen holding what appeared to be a firearm in a social media live stream. Morant was previously suspended after he brandished a firearm in a separate live stream at a strip club. There's a lot going on here, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I got it. But I think it's interesting, the layers here. I've seen people joking online that why is she worried about him recording hundreds of videos when she's an adult film star? I reject that she could decide when and where and how she wants to make her money. But I do think that this whole situation is kind of telegraphs where we are in society with power, relationships, sex, the whole bit. And the trading of a, a player because of all of it. Can you frame some of this? Really take it out of my stream of consciousness, Ivana. Um, I'll say I think that it's, I think you're absolutely right that uh, Mariah Mills has the autonomy of her body and she has the right to consent what videos of her people see and what they don't see. So she has. She has the right for you know for money to make porn that can be seen by you know whoever has access to it, and at the same time, because she's consented to that, she didn't consent to him sharing the videos of them having sex privately. So she's well within her right to call him out for that. I will say the timing of her coming out with this, it doesn't necessarily seem like she's trying to raise awareness of how she was mistreated, but more like she's just trying to get under the skin of his baby mama, which I think is. You know, a little less <laughs> noble than mm-hmm. you know. But I, I mean, read her videos are picking up steam too, right? No pun. But I, they, people are searching for her. She's becoming, you know, even more famous, I guess. But yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, I'll just say, of course, he should, you know, have more discretion with how he conducts himself because the way that you act in private absolutely does have a tendency to come and have a play in the way that you your professional life. I mean, and not just if you're professional basketball player of course if you have a high profile like that it's more likely to come and in and uh, you know and impact your professional life but just anyone in any career your you know uh, outside work behavior is unbecoming of someone they think is representing their brand in most industries that's more than grounds to to terminate you so you know i think he's young he's he's you know come into a lot of money very quickly um and maybe he just needs to learn how to how to you know conduct himself better and i you know mm-hmm. if they if the you know the team doesn't think that this is someone who we want representing our brand then they can let him go i think i think it's not it's not like serious allegations of of well, sexual you know impropriety i mean showing the videos of her is absolutely a violation yeah. of her consent but you know it's 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 not like you know I've seen teams protect their players who have been accused of of you know rape. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, if they want to let him go, they can let him go and make a lot of money doing it, but mm-hmm. I guess that's their decision. And I don't know what his relationship with his stepfather has been throughout his life. I don't know that much about his story. Perhaps I should have looked into it, but here's here's my thought on the stepfather's comment. I believe nothing about what you hear about my son. Marketing value is one thing, okay? And you're absolutely right. 
I tend to believe these allegations, I guess we'll call them. He's, he's sleeping with probably a couple women. And it's not very nice treating people this way. Let's just boil it down to that. For the stepfather to step up, I guess there's a something bold and profound about being protective of your offspring, stepson. But I would like to to think that there was a private conversation here that you're you're hurting people and you're hurting yourself, regardless of whether it's going to cost you money or get you traded out of. Maybe he wants to be traded out of New Orleans. I don't know. But why why are you doing this? I'd like to see that he would examine that. And maybe I'm too pie in the sky, but I think he his behavior deserves some insight on a couch with a professional in front of him. That's just my thought, okay? That's just his personal, that's just my thought. Much more indisputable when we come right back. We'll move on now to another star in this field, arena, if you will, just the sports world. Conor McGregor accused of being a predator. Superstar Conor McGregor has been accused of violently sexually assaulting a woman during game four of the 2023 NBA Finals between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. According to letters by attorney Ariel Mitchell, the victim was separated from her friend by Heat and NBA security, where she was then forced into a bathroom inside the arena. The woman was kept inside that bathroom by guards as McGregor emerged from a stall and kissed her. Wow. Below is the bag of clothes worn by the victim. Allegations against the pro fighter include spitting at her, forcing oral sex, and ripping the elastic band off her pants, among much worse. Woman was eventually able to escape by elbowing him multiple times, leaving her purse, which she claims was held hostage by McGregor's security. Representatives for McGregor have denied all allegations. The woman is seeking settlements with the NBA, the Heat, and McGregor in lieu of litigation, according to the letters. Here's a statement from the Miami Heat. Miami Heat has released the following statement with regard to the allegations against Conor McGregor. We are aware of the allegations and are conducting a full investigation. Pending the outcome of the investigation, we will withhold further comment. The news comes one day after McGregor announced that he and his longtime girlfriend, Dee Devlin, are expecting their fourth child together. Not the first time McGregor been accused of sexual assault. In March 2019, it was reported McGregor was under investigation in his native Ireland for sexual assault stemming from a December 2018 incident. The New York Post with that reporting. It strikes me, Ravana, this is serious stuff and what we did say they're serious enough. There's a lot more graphic details that we didn't put into the presentation today. But the the announcement about the fourth child yesterday, it's too big of a coincidence. I, I believe it came out knowing that this was going to chase it. Yeah, I think that that's exactly right to push some good PR for him a little bit now afterwards to you know show, oh, but he's a family man, he's a father, he couldn't possibly have done this all the despite the fact that this is not the first time he's been accused. And I know that a lot of people when when a celebrity is accused of violence or sexual violence in particular, 
everyone's first response, not everybody, but a lot of the first response, especially from their fans is to say, oh, they're just after his money. Oh, they're just trying to get a moment of fame. But there is no moment of fame for the victims of sexual assault, even the ones accusing a celebrity. The uh, harassment they receive is severe. And that's one of the reasons why women don't even usually come forward. That's probably one of the, and, and for anyone who's thinking, well, why would she go for a settlement instead of litigation? Because uh, one, because the uh, preponderance of, uh, you go by preponderance of the evidence in a civil litigation or in a settlement as opposed to the higher standard that you would have to go through criminally. Not to mention the fact that police departments don't have a great record of, of handling properly investigations into sexual assault. And of course, if you have members of that police force who are huge fans of Conor McGregor, that might not bode well for her. So it's not that bizarre that this is the, and also she actually stands to potentially get some sort of you know recompense for this if she goes yeah. the financial way instead. So it's not you know anyone who's thinking, oh, she's immediately must be a gold digger. There's actually a very logical reasons why this happens, and there's not you know. Uh, there's very little evidence to show that there is an influx of false accusations. It's yeah. very rare that that happens. Uh, and cue, cue those who will next point to uh, McGregor's security force who will back up his claim, presumably. I say, see, we told you. He too knows everything you outlined there and how difficult an uphill battle it is. We do not know if he is guilty. Of these allegations, we're just stating facts surrounding this kind of thing that happens far too often and victims are abused again. So it's a story that we're going to keep following and we'll see what happens with this one. I do want to talk about the high school experience, graduation. All of it, what feels good, you want to celebrate. So when a principal denies a high school graduate's diploma because she danced, is that fair? Is that fair? She did the gritty, you familiar with that, the gritty on stage at her commencement ceremony. And because of that, a graduating high school senior was denied her diploma. Let's watch her dancing. Hasa Abdur Rahman. Jabria Scott. Stephanie Huck. So the principal right there was, you saw, waving her off and then put the diploma back in the basket. You're not going to get it because you dared to the giddy. Okay. Hafsa Abdur Raham. Student from Philadelphia High School for Girls is calling for change after she was denied her high school diploma on stage after working so hard for it. She said of the incident, she, the principal, stole that moment from me. I will never get that again. Abdur Brahman cried tears of humiliation instead of joy at her high school graduation on June 9th. 17 year old from Philadelphia's only section said the principal warned students, their families could not cheer or clap when they walked on stage. I understood the rules because I was saying shh in the video. Do not say nothing because 
I wanted my diploma, said Abdur Raham. I knew and understood what we were supposed to do. In the video, she could be seen dancing across the stage and then the crowd laughed. She said because they laughed, the principal told her she could not receive her diploma. If they thought that I shouldn't do the giddy across the stage and do the girls high traditions, nobody should have been able to wave or blow kisses or do period signs because I feel like that's the same thing. I feel like that's unfair. WPVI in Philadelphia with the reporting here. Abdur Raham said, this moment wasn't just for her, but it was in honor of her sister killed. At 14, I was so embarrassed, I couldn't even enjoy the rest of the graduation. She's not alone. She said three other girls did not get their diplomas on stage, but all of them did after the ceremony. There she is smiling, she at least has it, she earned it. School District of Philadelphia said in a statement, quote, the district does not condone the withholding of earned diplomas based on family members cheering for their graduates. We apologize to all the families and graduates who are impacted and are further looking into this matter to avoid it happening in the future. Abdur Raham says this assistant superintendent of the school also reached out to her and her mother apologizing for their experience and to talk further. Although she wished she had a better experience, she and her mother hope School leaders learned a valuable lesson. This is so ignorant, Ravana. I think this is so ignorant. You're not allowed to cheer. You better not whisper. Maybe not exhale. Okay. This principal had a zero tolerance policy of just goofiness, and apparently she did mean it. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. I think most graduations have this policy, you know, trying to not make students feel embarrassed if they don't get as loud cheers as other students. Every graduation I've had has had this policy. No one ever follows it. And I've never mm-hmm. seen it enforced to this degree. I will say I think the fact that this is a girls' school uh means something, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you know, the respectability. Politics, particularly this is a majority, it seemed a black girls school. Respectability politics is enforced on women. You know, this is not a becoming way for you to behave. You're dancing across the stage, you know, regardless of the fact that it was in honor of her, her deceased sister. I mean, it's ridiculous and she earned that degree. The principal has no right to withhold it from her, to take that moment away from her, from her family. I mean, just just let the girl get her diploma, you know, giving it to her afterwards. She did graduate, but it's not the same. She didn't get that moment. You stole that from her, mm-hmm. and for what? Because you wanted to, you know, enforce this relatively arbitrary rule. I mean, the families are going to cheer, and that's not their—that's not their children's fault. They want to enjoy this moment, and I'll say she looked absolutely beautiful she going did. across that stage, and it's really. Really unfair that they stole that moment from her. Yeah, she's she's a good person, it seems, and a hard worker. And the principal on the spot scolded her. Like this is your last really official thing of high school. And I'm gonna scold you right then and there and throw your diploma down. I think it's despicable, it's despicable. I'll give you the last word and tell us where we can find your great work. 
Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, it's always such a joy to be on with you. This has been a lot of fun, even if some of the stories were pretty heavy. Um, but everybody can check me out, my Rebel HQ videos on uh, YouTube and on Facebook. And for updates on those, you can check me out on Twitter at RavanaTTV. And Ravana, can we say something else? Um, and I do love checking out your great work about her sister. Her sister was murdered, hit by a stray bullet. It was huge news in Philadelphia, okay? It was huge news, it was heartbreaking. The entire city, the greater Philadelphia area saw the updates, including the arrests that were eventually made. So this is not some family secret. Mm -hmm. This principal had to know, and I just, her entire family had been through this pain. And she does a little skip, I never heard of the Gideon, maybe you did, Rivana. And this is what you choose to do. It's like, who is this principal? Right, and she had a smile on her face while she was doing it. The principal taking that diploma away. You say that? All right, law school graduate Ravana, we love you. Until next time, I'm Sharon Reed and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, this is indisputable and we appreciate you watching always. Donald Trump extremist would like for death and destruction, murderous mobs to take over the country. Well, let's get into it. We knew this would happen. Let's put him up full mass. The man who radicalized hundreds of thousands of individuals in this country and frankly beyond, Donald Trump himself. Extreme supporters of Donald Trump have met news of his federal indictment with visions of violence and retribution. At the Donald, a forum for ultra MAGA Trump supporters, users demanded public executions and other forms of lynching to avenge the federal prosecution of former President Donald Trump for the alleged mishandling of state secrets at Mar-a-Lago after he was no longer president. There's more. Calls for violence appeared in comment threads responding to posts on the front page of the forum Thursday night. After news broke of Trump's latest legal troubles, the most extreme comments were written in response to a fanciful post insisting, quote, the only solution to the DOJ's efforts to lock up Trump would be to vote him back into the presidency. So Trump could pardon himself and begin arresting those guilty of insurrection and sedition. A user named Belock186 offered a far deadlier fix, quote, the only way this country ever becomes anything like the constitution says this country should be is if Thousands of traitorous rats are publicly executed, end quote. Commenter Dog Face Killer quickly chimed in to offer supplies. I got some rope somewhere in the garage and heavy underscore metal underscore patriot added. Han says we can borrow the Flamenwerfer, a reference to a battlefield flamethrower used by German soldiers in World War II. 
the proposal for mass killing struck user black pilled MAGA as going too far. Quote, doesn't have to be thousands, just a few dozen would do. Shoot, would stop immediately. But user Nerdrum One insisted taking out a few elites wouldn't make the difference, suggesting the number of dead required was on a genocidal scale. Millions. The real problem is the people that vote for them. As long as they exist, the problem can't be solved. A user named Heavy underscore Metal underscore Patriot concurred, correct. It might be tempting to dismiss these calls for mass murder as loose talk among angry MAGA supporters. Yet there are dark, there is a dark history here. In a previous iteration, the Donald, the forum, was used to help plot and promote the violence at the Capitol in 2021. As detailed in the final report of the House January 6th committee, including by users who openly discuss surrounding and occupying the US Capitol. The only thing that's going to change the course of this country from its present heading of Marxist dictatorship, the commenter wrote, is if Trump stands up in court and says to all of my supporters, the tree needs watering. And now is the time. Meanwhile, Governor Ron DeSatan has put him up. He has vowed to restore the name of US Army base in North Carolina to that of Confederate General. The Raleigh News Observer reported at a North Carolina GOP convention on Friday, DeSantis said that if elected president, he would change the name of the newly christened Fort Liberty back to Fort Bragg. It was changed by way of a bipartisan vote because Bragg, well, stood for things antithetical to the country. Let me deal with DeSantis and then I'm going to go back to Trump and his supporters. DeSantis is literally saying, I want to take away your liberty. Because right now, the army installation is called liberty. I want to take away liberty and I want to give you back Bragg. Bragg is, was a representation of bigotry, racism, and treason. Literally, the Confederacy fought against the interest and the government, known as the United States, committed treason. What sense does it make to put the name of a traitor to a nation on the nation's military? Assets, unless the military assets of the nation actually still, well, represent the same idea they did back then. He wants to take away liberty and give you brag. Donald Trump, he's not going to tell his supporters to stop with this violence, with this rhetoric, talks of mass killings, executions. No. Why? Because he's banking on it. He was depending on that to scare those who are prosecuting him today. 
He's depending on that to scare the Republicans who are running against him in the primary today. It is part of his strategy. These individuals are hand in glove. These folks are dangerous. Now, I don't know about you, but in the words of my dear brother, Dr. Cornell West, I would prefer to go down swinging. Benny, thoughts? Yeah, the unfortunate reality is we won't really understand our present situation unless we understand the historical context behind it and how really this has been at the heart of the United States of America since its founding. Because, of course, if you read the Constitution completely devoid of any understanding of context, you might get this idea that, like, oh, yeah. Freedom, democracy, all these things, his founding fathers are talking about all these noble ideas. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it was to serve white supremacy, right? The United States was founded by and for white supremacists. And so when right wingers talk about the Constitution, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about um, phrases like manifest destiny, for example, which should, if you really understand history, manifest destiny should have some of the same like connotations and feelings. It should evoke some of the same feelings as the phrase final solution, because that's literally what it was, an extermination campaign across the entire continent, right? And so fundamentally, when you see these right wingers talk about liberty and freedom, they're not talking about it in the literal sense that like regular people would. They're talking about it in the sense of the way the founding fathers did, where they it was sort of this under the breath like, oh, liberty and freedom for specifically super privileged white folks. And even if that means, you know, going on like mass genocidal campaigns against people that we don't like, right? That really is at the heart of unfortunately the United States. And the United States has always had a very persistent thread of right wing violence that's always defined a significant portion of our political reality, right? You know, everything from lynchings to sundown towns to like random like white supremacist terrorist attacks, like uh, you know, like and then obviously the institutions for with the state through like segregation and slavery and all of these different things has really cooperated to create an environment of fear and terror. And anytime there's a fear among like these right wingers that society might become more equal, that society might improve in some way, they threaten violence like this. And that's why literally Republicans have been talking about the Civil War since like the Civil War. They've been talking about wanting to have another one. And I guess like the little party switch thing, whatever, right wingers in the United States have always like fantasized over like violence and fantasize yeah. over doing some sort of civil war. Because fundamentally, at the end of the day, they do not believe in the humanity of marginalized people. They don't think that black and brown folks should be treated as human. They don't think that queer folks should be treated as human. They think that women should be property. And fundamentally, they are more than willing to use violence to achieve those aims. It is why they both at the same time celebrate police whenever police victimize marginalized people, but then go after and attack police whenever police do things like arrest white supremacists that are like you know illegally purchasing firearms or something like that. Exactly, very well said. And at this point, no one should have any ambiguity as to what make America great again means.